Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Small doses. Self-help from the hip. Small doses. We're talking that shit. Small doses. And keeping it real. Small doses. With me and Nancy. So funky. <laughs> Ladies and gents, everybody, all the listeners out there in the world, it's time for another episode of Small Doses. Now, granted, I am only on two hours of sleep, but that doesn't change the fact that my energy comes from a resource that is fueled by something other than slumber. Today, we'll be talking about side effects of being a token. You know what a token is? A token is when you are the one person representing your space in a bigger space. So you might be the token gay guy or the token black person or the token any other ethnicity than white person. And a lot of times what happens in a token situation is you feel alone, you get isolated, you also bear the burden of speaking on behalf of everybody else that shares the likeness with you. We're going to talk about that today with our guest, Monsieur Salma Sakela, who was the token black man at every, what was it called? Well, I hosted the X Games. The X fucking Games. The X Games. You were the token black man at every X Games that I watched. Yep. For 13 years. When Tony Hawk landed. The 900. The 900. It was a C- of salt <laughs> and then a spot of pepper was like yes right there 1999 san francisco docks also the year of the great class of 99 from dr phillips high school featuring yours truly uh and michael james scott voted most talented the way you brought that back around was brilliant <laughs> dp ah dp who needs slumber? So, Sal will be joining us for the duration of the episode. We're going to get to your DMTs. We're going to do a people I like. We're going to do all the fun things that you're used to us doing. But first, it would only be right to gem drop. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. <sighs> Today's gem dropping is token versus cultural ambassador. Now, the, I will say this, as far as gem droppings go, I think this one is a little more murky than most. But at the, at, the, at the basics of it, it's the fact that a token doesn't necessarily have to be a teacher. It might just be the specifics of circumstance. Whereas a cultural ambassador is someone who has chosen the role of speaking on behalf of their culture to teach others. Mm. And I think that's a very interesting dichotomy because what can happen a lot of times when you are a token is you are forced into the role of cultural ambassador, whereas, you know, you really would rather choose that path versus be assigned that path, especially by folks who don't even want to learn shit anyway. Mm. And it assumes that just because you come from that space that you are a relevant speaker of that space. Like, not everybody, I mean, like they say, not all skin folk are kin folk. Mm. So, like, 
Amarosa is not a cultural. She is not a cultural ambassador. She's not for black folks. I've been doing it all wrong. Tyler Wood, Tiger, Tyler Woods, Tiger Woods is not. That's exactly what we should call him, Tyler Woods. Tyler Woods, because he's more of a Tyler Woods than a Tiger Woods. Is not a cultural ambassador for black folks. You know, the Candace same, Owens. I, I don't know her. <laughs> She's not a cultural ambassador either. I don't know her. Yeah, Candacia. I don't know her. Owen Owen Tina. We don't know her. Yeah. However, However, this person that you don't know is used as an ambassador. As like basic, you know what she is? This person that you don't know? She is the ice dragon for racists. That, I wouldn't even give her, this This person person I don't know, the credit of that because... That would assume that she can fly. And the only reason she has been able to get as far as she has is because I don't know her. Mm. My mom says that the person that you don't know was kidnapped and programmed. No, the person I don't know is a con woman who previously was a full-ass liberal. Mm. And because that wasn't winning for her. She she rocks switch-em-ups. She just cross over because she has no ethics or ideals i mean i don't know this because i don't know her but i be knowing well i mean so. if you look at a person that you don't know's raggedy edges you could see that the, everything that you just said makes sense and that's because she is in a space where nobody knows about edges right and maybe she feels more comfortable in that space because she don't want to know about her edges either mm. but what the reality is is that though i don't know her if she bring them edges around me, Woo, they, they will, will get, get snatched. snatched. Yeah. I often think to myself, if I ever saw this person that we don't know in the streets, what would my react be? And it, Yeah. There's a couple folks out here that like I'd catch a case for. Yeah. Do you know what catch a case means, Rebecca? Is it something like you would willingly fight that person? That is correct. It means I would willingly fight that person. And the repercussions would be... potentially you'd have to face a trial. Yes, Rebecca! Willingly. (laughs) Because I know that they'd start a GoFundMe to bail me out so quick. (laughs) So I'm not even pressed. Not even Back to the theory that you postulated about uh, the token journey into ambassador... For me... We're getting to that later. Oh, I will fall back. This is not your show, (laughs) Salema. Look at the walls. Look at the walls. This is not your show. In this segment of the show, we like to just clearly define things for folks because I think that what what happens a lot of times is that we find ourselves in spaces where we think we're doing one thing Mm. and then we realize like with some more exploration and critical analysis and critical thinking, like, oh... That actually is not what I'm doing. And maybe I can shift to do more of this or do less of this to get the desired results. So I think some of us listening are a token in our workspace or in our friend space or in our school space. And a lot of the folks that I know who are tokens and I've been a token, it is absolutely begrudgingly. It's not by choice. The people listening who attended or are attending private white institutions 
are quite often the token on their lacrosse team. You know, they're the token in their African-American histories class, et cetera. And so people look to them for a certain level of knowledge and insight that they're like, not only am I still learning these things, you know, or not, not only do I have enough respect for the, uh, the, the, not only do I understand that my culture is not a monolith, and so I would be disrespecting the variance of individuals that exist within it by speaking in generalities about it without an actual like leg to stand on. But furthermore, fuck y'all. Do some of your own fucking research. Mm. Like, why am I now here as like the representative? Whereas a cultural ambassador is willingly like, I am here as a representative to speak on this. To Gather speak around. to this. Yeah. And I think that those are very necessary in certain spaces. Yes. It's very necessary. And I think that the the other part of that is that I know, especially for black people, like there's this like underlying expectation that we should always be the cultural ambassador if we were a token in a place, that that's just like what is expected. And I be letting folks know, like, if you choose that, go for it. But that's not an obligation. Why? And I've had people like attack me on the internet for being for telling Lady Gaga, like, don't fucking ask black people how to change racism. The fuck out of here. She did a tweet that loosely paraphrased was, hey, black people, what what do non-racist white people um do? What can we do to like fix racism? And I'm just like, stop asking dumb shit like that. Mm. And people were like, see, that's why, you know, black folks can't have nothing because y'all so damn rude. This, this is black, black people talking, talking to other black people. people. And I'm just like, no, stop fighting for scraps. Stop thanking Massa for not stepping on your shoe today. I had a woman the other day after I explained some shit to her that she was unaware of. And I did so nicely when I wanted to just yell. She said, wow, why don't you say that to other? Why don't you speak about that on your on your platform people need to know this and i looked at her i said why don't you talk to your Your people about this why don't you take what i just gave you and go talk about it tomorrow and she looked at me like i just shook i was like yeah it had never occurred to her i said because you might think that this is easy for me to tell you this but i didn't come to this dinner to have to educate you on why you're choosing to pretend to do something that you think might be a crip walk, A, isn't a crip walk, and B, is actually a cultural dance of a certain region and a certain end of the black community. She said, well, I grew up in North Carolina around black people. I'm like, guess what? what? You better start hillbilly walking. Your black friends in North Carolina, they don't know how to do this dance either. But they respect it because they know where the shit comes from. So please, I I don't want to have to have this conversation with you past the fucking ribs. You sound like me at that Caitlyn Jenner, Katy Perry dinner. Which, weirdly you say it, is where I actually discovered you. Yes. And then you slid into the DMs. Yes. Well, I started following you because I was like, this... There was a there was something in the there was a, something tonally in the way that you spoke, and then the more I started following you, I was like, "This person speaks my language. This is like, I think that's my like my unicorn. Like we have had, we have a similar existence." And then finally, I was like, ah, "Fuck it!" Like, but we were hey. friends from the second we started talking to each other. Exactly, 
Inst- like that's a real thing. In- instantly. Do you think that's because we're, what do you think that is? Just like sharing a vibration? Sharing a vibration, also having grown up around a lot of white people mm. and whilst at the same time choosing to to, to grow and, and, and really figure Immerse. out what it means to be like in touch with what our individual blackness means in the midst of that. And, you know, I just saw that and I was like, I don't see many yous or I should say me's. It was like, I was like, oh, another one. I know, I know, her, I know her is what it was. Yes. That's, that's really what it was. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think that it can be hard to make sense of how to play your role as a token and when you're in a situation because you're like, damn, I want to keep my wits about me. If you're in a professional space, you're like, I want to keep my job. Mm. But what unfortunately happens quite too often is that folks who are in a token space decide that if they lose their token status, that they somehow will not be valuable. And so they will actually be duplicitous in keeping their position as a black person or as the unique person in that role and not open the door for others to come in. And that's how we end up with an obstruction in the growth of diversity and inclusion. Or what I like to call only Negro in the room syndrome. Sorry, there's no room for you here. And it's like scary how how common that is. There's a real syndrome. And I used to deal with it at MTV. I ain't gonna call no names. But when I was at MTV, <laughs> there were definitely only Negro in the room syndrome heads um, happening. And it was a very clear, it wasn't su- subtle or surreptitious. It was literally, I'm the only one here and I am not welcoming you in here. And I was like, oh. I'm going to say one consonant off from your name okay is is that who we're talking about so think about your first name and then if you took no. the third letter no no okay she wasn't there okay no 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 she wasn't there at that time you like how i did that though i loved it okay i loved it i of course though i was like amandla <laughs> since he's south african oetu um so you know i think that's something really really like sad and frustrating when you see it happen because you're just like Oh, oh, that's what you want. And like, I'll see it in meetings because I'm not necessarily trying to get the job, but I'll be there to like pitch something or to talk about something. And you'll see that like, why, why are you the only one in here giving me opposition? And you the only one in here that's in here coming from where I'm coming from. Why? why? It's because, oh, you're, prote- because the other, you know what the other flip of it is when you're a token? You, some tokens feel like if they're too supporting of folks that are also kindred to them, that they look like they're being too weak or shady or like it's a form of nepotism. Or they're just worried that they might lose their place because- No, but, we, but, I, but there is yeah. that. But I feel like there's folks that really feel like if I look out for my people, then I'm not, then, then, then I'm like being- um, You're not being, they're not, I'm not being objective. Right. I'm not, I'm not be- being impartial. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I see you, but I can't see you because... I, I need to operate like the way they do. I need to see everyone. Yeah. Even though they basically brought you in just for that purpose. Exactly. Been there many times in the room. 
many and times. then how have you played it when you're in the room do you verbalize it like it- no, i just give facial signals like i'm like come <laughs> yeah i'm trying to like almost reach and kick under the table like you you, you do you hear me right and they're just like i i can't help you yeah yep I, I can't I can't I can't I can't even back up the information that you're giving that is factual. I just have to sit here and listen and then go back with the tribunal. I can't I can't help you out in the room, which is crazy. Please. When you're the only one who knows what I'm actually talking about. Listen, that feeling right there is so crazy. We were pitching a show about the Afropunk movement, sort of like the alternative mm-hmm. black diaspora. Yeah. And um, it was a, a documentary show. And I went and I can't, we went everywhere. And I thought, I mean, we made a dope ass tape. We partnered with Afropunk. I'm like, we're selling this show. Went to more than one place where there was also a black executive. And you could see the white people perplexed as we're showing them this other lens in the black culture that looks like from outer space if you don't know anything about it. Yep. And then you look into like the black executive in the room to be like, back me up here and they're like just nodding and paying attention and being kind of uncomfortable like you could tell sometimes they're like like they want to let something out but they ah, I, I, I can't I'm sorry but I'm here to justify you being here and that's all and we did not sell that show which was to me like a no brainer but there you go there you go now when you're a cultural ambassador it's not the same. When you're a cultural ambassador, you've made the choice. Like, I'm going to come over here and school y'all. Mm. I'm going to come over here and represent for my folks. And I'm going to do my best to cover the bra- the broadness of the variety of the bases of the space that I'm speaking from to give a real, like, genuine, authentic view and representation of, uh, you know, this voice. And also to rally on behalf of, I feel like as well and i think that that's i personally think that if you find yourself as a token in a situation and if you don't morph into the cultural ambassador by at least saying like i'm gonna just rock out for everybody here that's like me you foul you don't you may not have to be the educator but you may have to be like the person you may have to just say like if we in the room and the shit is dope i gotta rock yeah and if it's not of course but if it's dope, you got to rock. You have to. All them white men is going to rock. You have to. Because they're literally waiting for you to tell them. They are. They're waiting for you to be like, listen, this is fly. Fly is a term meaning. Right. Here's why. <laughs> stylized <laughs> on a high level. You know, and that's not just black people. We are two black people, but that's why we're speaking from that point of view. But I think if you're Latina or Latinx, I should say, if you are Asian, if you are homosexual, if you are trans, et cetera, like we now are forcing, rightfully so, doors open into these spaces. And it is key that when we get in these spaces, we don't let the tokenism last for too long because we should not consider diversity to have a quota on it. Yeah, if you look at it as a position that you like ran for and there's no other positions available for anyone else and it's it's just dolo, you forget that your ass is 
100% expendable. Say it again, brother. Expendable as like you can curse on my podcast. Yeah, you are expendable as fuck. Wow. And you will find out. And when they when you first get hit with it, it'll feel like <laughs> someone punched you in the throat and you never even saw the hand. You're like <laughs> And that's why you have to use your position to literally like hold the door open. Hold that's the your, door. You are ho- hold the door. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. It's important. But then I think what also happens, a byproduct of this, because I know some of y'all listening might be opportunists. And so you're like, well, that still don't help me out. When you do that and you're in an expendable position, you have actually created relationships with folks so that when that expendable position comes up and I promise you, it inevitably the time will be up. You're not out here. Dolo. Right. You have allyships with people who are like, oh, well, you rocked out with me before. I'm a lookout. Literally have like a potential vine to grab onto in the jungle, swing to, and go on to the next. So that you're not on LinkedIn. <laughs> Help. Looking at people's resumes like, hey. Hey, haven't need, seen you since college. Do you need an, do you need a Negress? I see you're killing it. I see Did you your, say Negress? Yes. So I say Negress. Yeah. Well, we've already established yeah. there's a kindred here. Yeah. I think it's time we get into a DMT. I mean, you can't really do much else once you've said Negress. Yeah. That's crazy. So Joy Bryant is, is, is the first person who said Negress to me like maybe... 10 years ago. So we call each other Shreddy Negro and Shreddy Negress. Obviously. Because she snowboards too. Ah. So yeah. Y'all be in the snow. We be deep in the snow. But that only snow I want to be in is in Winterfell. No, well, that's not pleasant snow. You're the mountains is, is pleasant snow. Oh, yeah. I feel like there's some powder at least, you know, in the God's wood. If, if you went with the Shreddy Negro... I yeah. would change your whole perspective on the. On I the, sat down on the, the slope thing. at Breckenridge yeah, in 1994. You were not with the Shredding Negro. No, I was like, I know what your, I know this. what the elite levels of your athletic ability are. Elite, we're talking world class, fucking elite. Check Graham. My only interest is that it is a dope place to wear outfits. And it's a gymnastical activity where you would f- quickly find out, like, oh, psh, I'm built for this shit. No. And I would have you look and fly. You could put together That's amazing That's really kits. what I'm about. That's really So what we'll I'm start about. with the kits and see if we can't get you on the board. We gon' see. We gon' see. I remember when you used to re- read Shakespeare for fun. On the gram. I was like, this woman's crazy. The gram was a time. It was an era. was a time. And then we had a talk. Mm-hmm. We did have a talk. I was sitting in my car outside of the UPS store. Yeah. We had a talk. And now, I don't be on the gram the same way. I show joy. I show information. I show... Subtle pictures that people either grasp or don't grasp. Mm. And I show Game of Thrones memes. And you get to live. And it makes my heart really, really, really happy. It's Thank you. It's 
also very ironic how quickly I saw results in specific areas once I changed course. I thought it was extremely brave (gasps) in that something had worked for you up until a point and had created an incredible amount of upward movement and you could have chosen to stay in that space because well look at what it's gotten me and instead you were like this doesn't serve me anymore it got me to this place it's not the definition of who I am and this is what I'm going to give you y'all don't make me and that when I watched it happen I literally like it got it got me at at a, at a heart soul level because I remember what you said to me about writing in your journal that day and when you did it it was that, that's not easy thank you this actually speaks to this episode honestly because when you are in a token situation a lot of times like someone else has decided what your narrative is and you have to always be the one defining your narrative and writing your role in the space that's also how you avoid uh to sal's point the uh, expendability you know because they do you do have to always quote unquote keep folks guessing and it's not in a duplicitous way but more so in a way that says like there's so much more here than you can even consider so i want you to stay put and stay solid and stay locked to this because you're more concerned about missing out on what is deeper here than on what's at the surface. So you gonna keep me you gonna keep me in place and you're gonna stay attached to this because of FOMO. Mm. <laughs> yes. And also because my layers have layers. And those layers have layers. I mean and and you once you recognize that you're like, I actually want to be in on them layers. Yeah. And I know for me in terms of the Instagram space, like I just realized that like people had people were literally telling me like no you can't leave Instagram that's your brand and I was like ooh that is all you needed to tell me you can't cut your dreadlocks that's your brand I am now bald <laughs> I am now bald and people still pay me look, look at that but when it happened it was literally a concerto of everyone begging me when I first cut them and I posted it on Instagram six years ago, literally like people were in my my comments by the thousands telling me that I was a sellout. Oh. And these were not people of color. I cut my own. What? I was the cool black guy with the dreadlocks from the X Games. And now you were just. And now like what? You don't have that thing that I like. That that was your thing. Ah. Uh, that was your that was your that was your signature. And then it went down even to my team. Agents, managers, etc. being well, like, "We can't book you now." Oh, look what you've done. Now you don't stand out from the back. So this whole thing I got in my in my cranium, that whole brain shit, none of that. Yeah. You didn't he- Oh, so the, no one was listening to what I said that set me apart, that allowed me to be the only person that looked like me in this space because I am the definitive voice and authority of this whole goddamn culture. None of that. None of that none, resonated. None of that. It was. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Cool. 
When I turn 40 and I cut my hair off, I'm going to hear the same shit. I'm going to hear the same shit. When I turn 40 and I cut this whole shit off and start fresh. Can't wait. They're going to be like, <gasps> yeah. And Good I'm going to be like, I got a man. Fuck y'all. That's essentially what's the plan is. Right. Because that's the other thing that happens when you're a woman. They're like, you can't switch up. How you going to get a man? You'll be fine. Ask Sherry Harper Belafonte. You can't switch up. <laughs> How you going to write? How you going to... I mean, when I, when I changed my name from Amanda Diva to Amanda Seals. Right. Literally to my actual name. People were like, ugh, this will never work. So I did that like three years ago when I started, when I produced Vice World of Sports and was hosting it and I wanted to sort of like get out of the caricature of Oh, What's, so you went from Sal to Salema. I went to Salema Masakela and I went around on all the shows, etc. And it was weird. Like people the, the manner in which people addressed it as the lead story. So we're not allowed to call you Sal. Oh anymore. my god. I was like, wait, wait, is this really the opening question? We're not allowed. Listen. Like I had gone. It's not crazy like Tyrese. When Tyrese had his uh <laughs> Had his alternate uh, rap personality, Black Tie. <laughs> he came to Sirius and no one was allowed to address him as Tyrese. We were literally told, you are not allowed to address him as Tyrese. I was like, what is the same person though? No, today he is Black Tie. I was like, you should never tell me no shit like that. You want to hear a funny story? Spill tea spilling. I was interviewing Andre 2000 like 10 years ago when I was at E. And it was one of like his first or second movies that he'd done and it was like a, I forget what it was like a uh, Four Brothers? It was the one where he played a cop like Undercover Cop or something or maybe he didn't play a cop anyway he came in and I was excited I'm like yo I'm fucking my favorite MC of all time like one of my favorite rappers of all time so I asked like my questions about the movie and then I was like yo you haven't put on an album in x amount of years but like when you show up and freestyle on anybody's shit it still is it's elite at the highest level and like you remind us that you're if you're not if you're not in someone's top five mc category that's problematic publicist steps in not allowed to ask questions about music he's an actor i will vomit all over this mic sat there and just looked at me did not respond and i was like oh wait did this just happen and it was I, I remember just feeling like humiliated as a fan and yeah. also like I just want to be like bro it's not that it's serious not, it's really like, not you you being you isn't going to ruin this you, you, know why we, you know why we care about this right because of you being you that's yeah. why we even care about this shit because you over here acting and it ain't because you auditioned and got the job and yeah so and I love Andre Benjamin, Andre 3000, I love three him. stacks. But I, he need to keep his heart, three stacks, keep your heart. I love because him. at the end of the day, when we do stuff like that, it's just like, I, you know what my saying is lately? Take your job seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. Mm. Please. And maybe I'm sure it's different now. That was 10 years ago. Of but, course, absolutely. And he was new and maybe he was just yeah, like feeling just his like, way around in the dark. Or maybe someone was giving him bad advice right. and he trusted them because he was paying them because I've absolutely been in that situation where someone was like you should do this and I'm like are you sure 
And they're like, yeah, you should quit doing, you should quit this festival that you got accepted to and that they have already put you on shows for because you're too big for this festival. Right. Am I? I wasn't too big for the festival, y'all, for the record. But I say all that to say that we have some DMTs and uh, let's get into it. I'm a member of the LGBT community, which is far more accepted by the whites. Just saying. So apart from my family, I don't have a lot of black friends. But this person put two uh, roly-eyed emojis. Mm. And the question I have for my white ones is how to tell them in a mature and factual way that being oppressed because of their sexuality is far different from being oppressed because of race. And the adversity they deal with doesn't give them the right to say the N-word or participate in other racist shenanigans in the name of equality. Ooh, this is a deep one. Yeah, we started off heavy. First of all, let me tell you, like, I literally went to an event one time where I watched a gay white man pull out a guitar and sing straight out of Compton. And I was like, this isn't going to end well. It didn't even have to end for it to not be well. He said, straight out of Compton, a crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube from the group called Niggas With Attitude. A record scratched. I was down in the Lower East Side in a room full of white folks watching this, and my friend had asked me to come. So I let him keep going, and then he said nigga again, and I calmly exited. I didn't, like, throw my shoe at him, <laughs> you know, like George Bush. Remember that video where yes, the dude threw the shoe at George exactly Bush? That's what one came, of my favorite videos of all mind. time. Someone I didn't do none of that. phone at, at uh, DT last week. Awesome. At the NRA thing. Just rah. He walked out, and they didn't have good aim. But they threw like a good sized iPhone at him. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Continue. So I walked out and then my friend runs after me and she's like, Amanda, what's going on? And I was like, I ain't pay money to get on a train to come down here to listen to this shit. This is a white man saying nigga over a guitar. And she goes, oh, <laughs> no, he's gay. And? So she had accepted that as well. And she is a cisgendered heterosexual white woman. Like, it's not even like she identifies with him being in the LGBT community. And she had decided, what's the... And it's crazy because it was like, you grew up with me and all black people. Like, you were in our space. You learned the Negro National Anthem. Like, you know better. Mm. But... She had decided somehow that like because he's from an oppressed space that he can do this. I think to answer this person's question, the reality is that, you know, there are there are certain things that are shared amongst the people that are sacred to those people. And it's not just in like cultural celebrations or clothing, but it's also in like traumas and histories. And those shared traumas and histories are what allow for certain shared language and shared forms of expression, etc. They are unique to those individual groups. Nigga is unique to... Unique New York. Unique New York. Unique New York. <laughs> we are now doing a vocal exercise. Um, it is so not unique. unique to New York. Yeah, right. But it is unique to black folks because we have been specifically targeted... For being called, quote unquote, niggers because of our black skin. And therefore, if you have not been a part of that experience directly, you don't you, have. You don't get to say it. That's it. You don't get to say it. No, you don't get to say it. No, no, no. You don't get to say it. You don't get to say that shit. Don't get to say that shit. You might catch a slap. 
Might catch a slap. Catch a slap. But um bum. Yeah. You don't get to say it. You just don't. Stop asking. Why are you want to? Why are you so pressed? Stop asking. The fuck are you still asking? People still People still, still ask. asking. I was at a thing. A dude was DJing. And, and I won't name his name. But he was DJing. Song came on. A rap song. And I looked up at him. It was part came. He went, eh, and, then said, and then he looked down from the, ta- from the, from the laptop. He's like, I don't understand why. I mean, I was like, no. no you don't, I don't care. I it's can't not- even believe you. Right now in the club, you want to. No. Stop asking. Why, do you Why are you wanna... so pressed to wear a Native American headdress? Why? Why? Why are y'all so pressed? Right. Because the feathers, it looks cool. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Come up with some dope shit of your own. I think people have like oppression envy. <laughs> you think? How you think I the think word cunt came about? Like it's literally, uh, I'm uh, clearly I'm People in... in England were saying cunt forever as a form of endearment. All of a sudden, white women in America were like all up in arms about cunt. Right. And I legit feel like it's because they were like, well, you know what? Black people have nigger and gay people have the F word and we are oppressed too. And our oppression is its own shit and we should have our own thing. And then they were like, well, what can it be? We'll take see you next Tuesday. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. Because when you go to Australia, it literally is a term of endearment. Every, literally. Like, I get off the plane in Sydney, like, ah, sell your can. How you You right, wonderful, can't you? That literally is what, what happened. Yes. Here in America, all of a sudden, Ashley H and Ashley C were like, we can't handle that. That's the worst. And It's like the, like the moist. I mean, it is. It's like saying moist except about a woman. The the egregious anger that comes about is unreal. And yeah. I've said this on the show before, but I have to remind you, white women, black women don't care about the word cunt. So when you come at us and you try and fire cunt out the chamber, we're gonna laugh in your face because we don't care. But you try but you don't want to say the N-word because you're a liberal. So you probably just shouldn't say shit at all. Yeah. Or stick the bitch. Probably get you slapped too. Yeah. Hard. But at least when you come up for air, you know you didn't play yourself with saying some shit that got you laughed at. It's probably even more better for your ego that you got slapped and laughed at. Right, because at least you like did some shit. Yeah, you triggered. Right. You tell me I'm a cunt, I'm a laughing your That's whole like face. That's like punching a giant. It, right, like you're like a small person and you like punch bing. a giant and the giant just like... <laughs> what? Literally. Then you call that giant a bitch. Like, and then Jorah Mo- and, and that's when Lady Mormont is yeah, like, nah. You think you're stabbing me in the eye. Right. No. No. So I do think there's a Press Olympics. And I do think that in the conversation that this woman is having with her, her fellow LGBT community members that do not share her black experience, I think it's incredibly important to just even point out just the uniqueness of the relate the the different um ways in which their Oppression has been handed down and the reasons why, you know, I mean, there's a bottom line standard that people have always called uh, called out, which is the fact that, like, you can hide your sexuality. You can't hide your race for the most part, like at the end of the day. And you shouldn't have to do either. You shouldn't have to do either. But then when you walk in a room, you are judged by your race 
off top. And even if you can pass, you're still having to lie to yourself. So there's a lot of stuff to unpack with that. But at the end of the day, it really is just simply saying to people, if you ain't from that, don't Don't speak on that. that. (laughs) Period. There's intersectionalities in different spaces. If you're a black LGBT person, right, then you know two different experiences. But if that is your experience, stop trying to intersect into that. Stop. You know, it's kind of like a woman I know that once said, if you're not sitting next to the window, just because you're near the window, don't try to open and close the window. I've heard about this woman. I've heard about this. It will get you slapped. But I was near the window. It's not your fucking window. She runs the windows. There you go. Next question. How do I tell white people that I'm not the ambassador to black culture in a work setting? While still remaining professional, of course. Your girl got bills to pay and I can't risk cussing a jar of mayonnaise down. Okay. I mean... Can I start this one? Oh, I love, would love for you to. When I get up in the morning to go outside, friend, coworker, um, I do not want to spend my energy here at this job educating. It, it takes energy for me to educate, and I can't do it all day. So perhaps if you'd like to get coffee sometime and talk to me about something specifically, Perhaps, but don't come to me to be your fact checker for blackness. Mm. That's not why I'm here. I work with you on this team so that we can get shit done. That last part is the real part. That's That's the real real part. part. That's not why I'm here. That's not why I'm here. Unless I was hired as the diversity representative or some shit like that, that's not why I'm here. There's nothing worse than like, hey, um... I was. I went to go and see uh, this black movie, and I was wondering your perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the middle of doing these squats over here, like literally. They have, like, I'm at the doing gym. PTS reports. Yeah, like no, it's not why I'm here. Now here's the thing. I know that there is people who happen to be white that are listening, and they're like, "What? We didn't know that that was like not cool." And I think that, you know, we are speaking in a generalization right now. Yeah. Because there are also nuanced relationships that you have with individuals where, like, there may be a safe space that's already been established where you can ask these questions of somebody who also trusts that you're not asking them for gratuitous means or to simply just have information that you're going to end up turning around exploiting anyway. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, there's just some people who feel like they can just go to you all the time. Like, you're their Google of blackness. Like, in any moment. Like... Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm ask Jeeves right here. But I don't mind that from people who are using that, using what I give them in a positive way and are using, and I know that we're having a discourse versus a just kind of like filling up their bank. That's what I mean. You know, like that's the part where I'm like, like I had a friend who works with some young women that are from an underprivileged neighborhood and she called me to be like, okay, I'm working with these young women and I just feel like, there's a barrier between us because of our difference in race and status. And I wanted to just get some insight from you into some ways where I can connect with them that I don't have like a cultural inroad to. That's fine to me because you're literally asking me how you can be of a better help with these people in a very specific way in a role that you are already in. You didn't just get to the field and are like, what position should I play? No, you have taken action. 
And I think that's what a lot of black folks specifically, I'm only speaking for black folks, even though this can cross a number of race, cultures and experiences, but we just want to see somebody that's already doing the work versus somebody who's just kind of like, it seems like you're asking me these questions to maybe even vet if you want to do the work. Yes. Everything you just said. Next question. Ooh. After realizing you're a token at work, is it doing a disservice to yourself to try and milk the situation for your own advancement? Depends on what you milking. Squirt, squirt. Squirt, squirt. It depends on what you're milking. It depends on how you're going about doing it. You know, if and we talked about this earlier in Gem Dropping, like if if it requires you to be solo dolo in that position for you to have advancement, which means that you have to serve as a barrier to others, then yeah, you're doing yourself a disservice in your community. If it requires you to um, to hide a, the majority of your whole self in a detrimental way, right? In a detriment, in a way that does not serve you. As opposed to being strategic about what you reveal, right, right, that's right. different. That's different. Yep. Um, then it can be a two-edged sword. Now, if you are doing a spook by the door situation, mm-hmm. where it's like, I know I got to move this way, um, as this token, so I can get more elevation, so I can learn more about the blueprints of this spot, so I can kick the kick in the door, waving the four four, and let other motherfuckers in, then. I think that that is also fine. Absolutely. But I definitely understand what he's saying, where it's like, if I'm the only mofo here and these fools are dumb enough to pull this shit with me, am I wrong for using it against them for my own elevation? Now, I have considered that in relation to uh, like sexual harassment. Like there are certain situations where as a woman, like someone is so dumb enough to like think that they might smash that you're like, you know what? I might just get what I want out of you just off of you thinking that. I'm not even going to let you smash, but you're so dumb for even trying to position this that I'm going to let you think you might smash just to get what I want because I'm you're going so to fucking... play the possibilities. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, there it is. Play the possibilities. That applies to tokens because that's playing the possibility that you are the overarching oracle of... Negroness or whatever you represent. I mean, listen, all of this stuff is just like also relative to your own personal principles and ethics. Right. How low can you go? Base. (laughs) (laughs) So before you even consider that, you got to do a self check about like, what kind of person am I? Where do I, where do my like limitations and bottom lines fall? Because I might could be selling out. Right. If I let this go too far left. Can I look at myself in the mirror for longer than 10 seconds without a feeling of light disgust? Do you feel your grandmother's eyes on you? <laughs> do you hear her voice? Baby, mm. like, do, like, is that a thing? Do you feel your degrees bursting into flames on the walls, like I do anytime I catch a glimpse, even against my own will, of love and hip hop or anything Kardashian? I was sitting next to Lamar Odom on the flight today. No, 
That's a big dude, y'all. You know they couldn't get him in the helicopter after that situation in Vegas. That man died of a crack overdose in a whorehouse and came back to life. Did you hear that sentence? Yes. Now, do we know it was crack or was it actual yes. cocaine? It was cooked coke, okay. which is that was, that crack. Is crack. That's literally a nickname for Fat Joe. Can, coke, I also, crack. can I also say this? One of the sweetest human beings you'll ever meet, like at his core soul. Cool. Like just compromised beyond comprehension. That's dope. But he dropped a water on the floor today. Like he threw it on the floor. And I was like, bruh, you ain't got to throw the water on the floor. Oh, man. threw it on the floor? Yeah, he like threw it on the floor. Ah. Like a water bottle. And I picked it up and he was like, did you want that? And I was like, no, nah, but you ain't got to discard it like mm. that. Well, let me say this. When I knew him as a player in the NBA, when I was a sideline reporter. In the National Basketball in Association. In the National Basketball Association on ABC. He was one of the kindest, sweetest. My mother, who followed his rehab as if she was his case manager, uh, <laughs> stated that, you know what, Amanda, go easy on him because he has been through a lot. <laughs> and he, ha he had a, a, a head injury. But I say all of that because that had nothing to do with what we were saying to say, actually, it does have something to do because you know what? I feel like some of these dudes be fucking with these Kardashians so they can be a token. Ooh. Yes. I think Reggie Bush was the first one. He was like, w w w you know what? I, you know, I'm a just. I'm just going to go over here for a second. Homer Simpson in the bushes. So. But I say I say this often, which is that, you know, it's it's really about how much you're willing to do. It's really about your ethics. It's really about self-checking. And I encourage all of you all to do that on a regular basis, especially in situations like this, which become very perilous to your integrity if you don't pay attention. People I like. Yeah. Sal Masakela. Guilty. On this segment... People I like. I tell people why I like them. Oh, wow. I mm. like Sal Masakela for several reasons. One, I mean, you've heard him on the show. He's jovial. He's knowledgeable. He's kind. He's kind. He's compassionate. But two, and even more relative to this episode, is because I saw you. I, I remember watching you in these spaces in the X Games as the one brother and moving so gracefully and moving in a very like, this is me kind of way but not delving into coon because that's what can happen it can be like i, I got to be extra black up in here for y'all and it's like whoa 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 dial it back dial it back you're getting beyond black and i really appreciated you being in those spaces and i think it wasn't easy wasn't yeah because it's lonely ain't it i appreciate that it is lonely um and it is uh, the Beyond Black, by the way, is then should be a T-shirt. <laughs> um, it it's lonely, and you find yourself, as you've spoken about many times, in that position where you're like too white for black folks, too yes. black for white folks. Well, then you're also of immigrant parents. I exactly. So that's my, a whole other. My, yeah, my 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 family came here from my. My mother's side from Haiti, my dad from South Africa, like first generation American. And so your history is also, your connection to being a black American is different. It doesn't have Southern roots. 
It doesn't have. It doesn't come from the same traditions. You learn. You're learning the black like, American traditions. black American traditions yeah. in real time as well. I also had a Puerto Rican stepfather, um, so that was a whole thing. But um, yeah, being in that space, it it was interesting to sometimes be taken seriously. You know, white people would be like, "It's amazing that they chose you to be the host of the X Games. I think it's genius because." no one would really be expecting you. And obviously they taught you about these sports so that you could be this voice, but people would be curious as to why it comes in this package. That's brilliant. How'd that happen? Oh, so I wasn't a skateboarder, snowboarder, and surfer my whole life. You don't actually do those things, do you? Wow. That's amazing. To this day. To this actual day. And so you find yourself... And then you're also like, you're just around white kids all the time who feel that they can speak as freely as possible. And literally, because they've adopted you as one of them, forget that you are there and start to speak in certain ways. And then you're like, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to, you know, you have your threshold where you're like, I'm going to have to handle this. But as a kid, when I first moved to Southern California, you know, white kids, especially when I got to be a good surfer, they'd be like, it's really cool, man that you're like, you're more like us, you know? Like, you're not like a regular black guy. Like, you're more like us. You do our thing. Please see our episode, Side Effects of Norio. And I'd be like, what do you mean more like, well, you know, you do our thing. So now this thing that, that like, I do that is, like, I'm passionate about and is mine is on loan yeah. because you've accepted me to be in this space. So this isn't even my shit. And it's not like surfing is a cultural thing to white people. No, if anything, it it's Hawaiian. From, started from indigenous and peoples. And Polynesian. And, and, you know, was co-opted to be like with the whole Gidget thing. And, and But it, it's, it started of original peoples. And so that was a really interesting thing in all the spaces. You know, I'd be in the lift line up at the mountains. And you'd be standing in, in the lift line, people just looking. Like you just came down from a spaceship. You did. Right. And then like they see you and like, oh, but you can actually do this thing. Right. You're not even up here like fumbling around. And then you become like the voice and, and like face of, of the culture and you're the only one there. Which brings us to our next segment. That, that one time. <laughs> when that transition starts to happen, becoming the voice and the face of the culture. And we've talked about this throughout this episode of like that can happen against your will. Or it could be something that you will to happen. How did you play it? I played it as realizing like, oh, because I grew up in all these different places, because I grew up in New York during the birth of hip hop, because I have this international background, because I've grown up around the world traveling with my father as a jazz musician, and because I come from struggle and I also grew up embedded in like really white culture, I realized I have the ability to speak to everyone about this thing in a way that none of these other people who are even have had generations of experience in this culture can. So I'm going to take full advantage of it. I'm going, and my goal is to basically like proselytize this culture. You let us say proselytize! Proselytize this culture um, to as many different groups as possible. So I make sure, I made sure that I was speaking to the bros. I made sure that I was speaking to the culture. I made sure that like I could speak to I wanted it to, to anyone who was watching it to like 
have know nothing about it, but want to know more um, because I lived it. And that's, I think, what really helped take me to the next level. But at the same time, you know, like when I was at ESPN, when I first started, I went by Salema Masakela on, that's how I was fonted, like when my name came up on the screen. Mm -hmm. People would call me Sal, like in conversation or in interviews or whatever, but like everyone knew. You were branded as. That was branded as Salema. The president of ESPN, when I started doing the NBA, like 2000, 2003, which was a huge thing. They made me the like a sideline reporter with dreadlocks. Unbelievable, right? Comes in, in, it comes up to me, but before a game one day, and he says, "Hey, we're really excited about the, you know this this traction, and people are excited about you being here, and you know, I just I want to make you a star, and right now I feel like we can't really do that." And I was like, "Well, I'm out here working and grinding. What are you talking about?" So, when people see that name up there, they they can't say it. They're spending more time trying to figure out like, is it Salima or so what so what, and you know. Um, I just feel like people are already saying Sal. So, and he literally put the shit up in air quotes. Sal Masakella. Don't you get it? I mean, it just rings. It's time for you to go with it. And, and, and it's just going to be more palatable. And it was in a room in front of a bunch of people. So you, it was tough for you to... And I, it was object. one of those, it was one of those moments where like your shoulders go down. If it had happened right now, what would you have done? I would be like, I would say no. I would have said no. It's I. I argue with myself about whether or not I sold out in the moment. I, obviously, I didn't. But I, I feel regret ancestrally. My mm. my grandfather was Salema Masakela. Okay. Which is you know who I didn't meet till I was nineteen because my father was in exile of apartheid. So the root and the power of, of my name and where it comes from culturally, I felt like I cashed that in as capital to like get to elevate to this next rung of the party and it's all good i mean it is what it is but it's still something that i wrestle with 14 years later and it happened because of you being in the unique position of a token yes where they felt like they could say that to yeah. me if they they wouldn't say that to anyone else no but they literally felt like well you know look there's just you know you, know, you should be happy to be here so oh. let us do this thing and it was a, it was it was a good learning lesson, but also a tough one. When it comes to the subject of being a token, it's just very important that you do reconnaissance. You really just got to look at the surroundings and the lay of the land and decide on what your weapons are going to be. Yeah. Um, if it's worth the fight, if it's if it's actually what you want. But at the end of the day, I just. I always feel like it's a double-edged sword because though it can be a place that you can carve out your niche niche and stand out, if you're not attentive, it can be the same place where you dig your own grave and get buried. Yeah. And we are at a time where the uniqueness of voices and perspectives is imperative to thwarting an overarching, oppressive mind state that is presented as the norm and the mainstream when it really isn't. So if we, we can't just be a token. We got to be a fucking, you know, that empty Zephyr Hills water fountain bottle full of pennies on the side. Like mm. we got to be that. Well, there has to be a whole bunch of motherfuckers in there. And I can't just be a token. I got to be a Sacagawea dollar. The, the Sacagawea dollar, dollar coin. coin. Okay. I, I'm really glad we had you because 
I feel like I could have talked about this by myself, but you have lived it in such an like tangible way and on the TV. Yeah, and I still live it now because the the recourse of it is that most of my audience is white. You're a token to your own audience. It's like you're a member of Jurassic Five. So when I speak out, they're like, yo, bro. On social media. When I You're like, making us uncomfortable. Not only am I making you am I making you you're making me uncomfortable, but like I used to respect you. I've been watching you since I was a kid. How can you I can't believe that you're one of those race baiters? Like, all good, bro. I totally respect you, but like I'm gonna have to unfollow. And people feeling like they can literally like talk down to me like how dare you we gave you everything oh. you have we've allowed you to be in this thing and this is how you reward us and to be that way as a grown man and as like i'm a de fucking definitive black man in america Every day I wake up, I got to put on the same fucking armor and grab the same tools to survive a day in this country as any other person of color. And the idea that you think that because I do the same shit that you do in this one little area, that you just get to keep me and tell me what to do, and I'm a grown-ass man. You know what that sounds like? Slavery. Right. So they just operating from DNA memory. Strictly. The last dose. Well, that was fun. Super. Right? What Super. an ending. Thank you for having me. And thank you for saying all those sweet things about me because I feel the same way about you. <laughs> or if you want to get extra points at home, Salema Mabena Masakela. Yeah. Also 10 points for just, you know, Rhyming. <laughs> uh, please follow Mr. Masakela on Instagram at Sal Masakela. Sal Masakela. And buy my uh, albums. We also buy albums. Buy my yes. albums. Alakazam, that's what I go by, which is Masakela backwards. <laughs> Creative. Um, also want to remind you all that Smart Funny and Black is hitting the road for the uh, you know the Vibonics 101 tour all of July. Our tour dates are up and available at smartfunnyandblack.com. So make sure you head on over there and check that out. Also, I will be hitting Tempe, Arizona in May. I'll be hitting Madison, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Minnesota. I'm coming through all these places in May, San Diego. So hit up smartfunnyandblack.com backslash schedule to see when I'll be coming and doing stand-up in Yotown. June, I will be at the Kennedy Center with three sold-out shows for Mo Better Woo, Smart Funny and Black, and stand-up. And we will be doing a special limited one-night engagement of Mo Better Woo at the Hotel Cafe in... Uh, Los Angeles on May 23rd. Those tickets just went on sale. Don't play yourself because it's a very small room, so the tickets will sell out very quickly. I better be on the list for that shit. You I'm just saying. Because that shit's mad small. Mad small. Mad small. But so Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang Clan ain't, ain't nothing to fuck with. See you next time. Star Avenue, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.